celebrating the new year may be a lot different from the textbook celebrations you might have heard of before. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, my guest is Alder from Hong Kong. His name is Ellen Chen, and uh, he actually is the founder of OmniChat. Okay, um, he comes to Taiwan pretty often. He says like once every month. So let's have a talk as to what exactly he does. Well, hi, Ellen. Welcome. Hi, Shalini. So what is OmniChat? So OmniChat, actually, it is a omnichannel messenger platform for e-commerce to doing the customer service and also the marketing automation. So like uh, we help our uh, clients, which is an e-commerce platform, and then we help them to do like integration of their Facebook Messenger, Line, as well as their website, web chat. So we can monitor their user behavior and help them to do some kind of marketing automation. Oh, okay. So that's what it is. That sounds very interesting. Uh, for e-commerce, uh, actually there's a term called conversion way. It means like a uh, hundred people come to their website and only three of them will uh, buy, buy something. something. Yeah, the conversion rate typically is 3% only. So, but... Um, if you compare to the retail, they got 20% of conversion rate. Yeah, because this, uh, why is it? Because uh, for e-commerce, uh, for uh, somebody come to your website and you even don't know what he's uh, looking for, what kind of things, and you cannot talk with him. You cannot, uh, you don't know how he uh, does in within your website. So that's why our uh, product help them is that uh, we can let them to, in, uh, to install kind of messenger on their website. So we let them to talk with their customers. customers. Yeah. And also we can monitor their whole user behavior, like uh, which product they locked, how long they stay there. And then use this kind of uh, data. We can note uh, their car target audience. And then after that, they can use our platform to uh, do some kind of segmentation and also broadcast uh, to do their marketing on oh. our platform. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're not the first platform doing that kind of service, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> so it's a very competitive uh, uh, yeah, market. Exactly, exactly. What makes you stand out then? So uh, the differentiation is that we connect different kind of check channel. Oh. Yeah. So because a uh, like, uh, if uh, we're talking about the monitor uh, of user behavior, or uh, talking about the chat with the website visitor, it is common, but. Uh, the the differentiation of our product is that uh, after they uh, uh, like they look uh, for the product how many times we record this kind of data, that we can also let them to integrate their social messenger channel. 
So we mapped their uh, uh, website identity to their live Facebook or even line. They can just subscribe to their uh, press a subscribe button and then we connect their user identity together. So after they leave the website, we still have a way to uh, send message to them to, to do the remarketing. That's how we difference from other kind of platform. Oh, well, what if the customer doesn't want to talk to you? <laughs> oh, of course, uh, it is his choice. And he, he can just simply uh, don't uh, talk to us and then he can ignore the button and what kind of thing. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah, but for the merchant side, because uh, we provide this kind of service to them, uh, we have uh, uh, some kind of tips for them to let the uh, their customer talk to them. Something like uh, if we have a button, right? As I said, a subscription button. So it's a subscribe to Facebook online account. So it has some kind of message like, oh, if you click this button and then I'll give you some kind of $15 coupon, this kind oh. of thing. Yeah, in, yeah, it will let them to click it. Oh, but, but that's not your job. That's the supplier's yeah, job, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, okay. I see. You were saying that even if they turn off the messenger, or is that what you're saying? They have mm. the right to turn off the messenger. You are still able to follow them on their Facebook. And is that's not uh, mm. that's not intervention of privacy. Uh, no. Oh no, because uh, the customers they uh, need to press the button to authenticate, right? So we we let the, our merchant to allow uh, the customers to at least press a button. So uh, I mean, they already afford their uh, identity there, and then and then we can. St- send a message to them. It is not like that. Uh, we know his uh, Facebook account and then we do not let them log in and we send a message to them. Not, not that oh, they way. have yeah. a right of choice yeah, as exactly. to you know, yeah. whether they won't be uh, yeah, okay exactly, yeah. to continue to get information from you or whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. How long has OmniChat been around? Uh, we start this uh, project from, from 2017, June of 2017. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, 17. Oh, so okay, that's fairly two, new. Yeah, yeah, it's around two, uh, two years something. Yeah. So it started in Hong Kong. Yeah, so we started in Hong Kong. So this is based in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um. So how many people are there in your company right now? Uh, right now we got sixteen. 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what? Each sixteen. I mean, each person is responsible for different uh, categories of products or something. Oh no no no! Uh, um, uh, basically, we we do only uh, our company only do this product, and then they just uh, they they that our my means uh, the sixteen users maybe uh, uh, half of it is for doing the development job, and then okay. uh, we also got the marketing and salespeople. Oh yeah yeah, and you come to Taiwan every month at yeah. least once. Yes. What what do you do when you come here? Yeah, because we have uh, around tr- we have twelve. Uh, people here right now. Oh, stationed here yeah. in Taipei. Yeah. Oh, this is separate from the sixteen people you have in Hong Kong. Uh, or, no, to all together sixteen. All together sixteen. You got twelve in, here in yeah, Taiwan. Uh, we only you got consider Taiwan a big market then? Yeah, actually, a our, valuable market. Yes, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, Taiwan is that? our big, big market. Why? Yeah, because uh oh, at the beginning uh we start in Hong Kong right, and at the beginning I just have uh me only yeah, mm-hmm. and then um. Uh, when I when I t- uh, published our product to the because our uh, uh, target audience is the e-commerce, mm-hmm. and then uh, Hong Kong actually the e-commerce is not so uh, mature, it's not so good. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared 
with Taiwan and even of course China. Yeah. 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 That's why uh because we uh launched our product and then uh China uh Taiwan and Hong Kong is both traditional Chinese, right? Yeah. So we do some kind of. You mean traditional Chinese characters? Yeah, traditional oh, Chinese okay, characters. Okay. Yeah, and because we our platform provides traditional Chinese uh. Uh, language, so uh, we uh, do some kind of marketing on Hong Kong and both Taiwan, and we found out that um, the Taiwanese love our product much than Hong Kong a lot. Oh, yeah. Now, why is it that Hong Kong people are not so much into e commerce, buying things online? Yeah, why because is that? Uh, because Hong Kong is so small, you know, and yeah. then, uh, the uh, it's so we it's very convenient for them to uh, go out and buy something <laughs> other than buying in Hong Kong. Oh, online. yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, but then Taiwanese people. Are, I mean, it's very convenient here in Taiwan too. I'm sure you can you agree with me on that. Yeah. But Taiwan people are so. Does that mean that we're just more lazy people compared to <laughs> those in, those people in Hong Kong? No, I, I think it's the. I think I am. The, yeah, the, the, the culture is different only. Yeah, because <laughs> the culture is different. <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, the Hong uh, for Hong Kong and the logistics is not uh, so good for e-commerce. Yeah. Oh. So um, compared with uh Taiwan and then the ecosystem, the whole ecosystem. I mean, the like the logistics and also the uh, online payment is really mature. Really? really yeah. Oh, we only wish they were even better than like China. In China, nobody cares about cash. You know? Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm thinking it like why can't China. <laughs> you know why can't we you know head in that direction? I mean, we should be catching on way before China did. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But um, I think Taiwanese people are just lazy. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I order toilet paper online. Mm. You know, and um, laundry detergent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these things that are like everyday use, yeah, you know, yeah, stuff. Yeah. I order them online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they deliver it right to your door. Yeah, but, <laughs> but in Hong Kong, for this kind of uh, living goods, uh, not many of them will uh, order it online. Really? Yeah. This is interesting. I had, I had <laughs> not realized that. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So what have you discovered as being the most common thing yeah. that Taiwanese people buy online since you're saying that, gosh, you've got 12 out of 16 people stationed here in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the most common thing that Taiwanese people like to buy? Well, uh, of course, it's like uh, the, the wearings, yeah, the clothes, clothes and so shoes and then and and others is like some kind of the uh girls uh, choose, choose, right oh yeah, 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 like yeah. jewelry yeah yeah jewelry yeah. really uh, no, makeup. No, yeah maybe makeup only yeah, makeup yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh wow i i guess i'm more traditional and i'm definitely thinking that you know my husband and i we definitely have a generation gap from the younger generation here yeah and so um, I'm not into buying clothes online. Not as much. I mean, I do. Okay, okay, okay. Because you don't feel it and you don't try it on, you know? The M size for this particular brand could be so different from the M size of another particular brand. And yeah. and, and, and we don't like getting the hassle of returning stuff, you okay, know? Okay, okay, okay. I see. But, um, but young people are really into that. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. cheaper and it's convenient. Sometimes you just go pick up at the nearest, you know, Seven Eleven yeah. for for yeah the good and your order. Yeah, that's, so, that's why that's why we uh they love our products because uh, we oh. enable them to check right. So if you have uh, some kind of problem or some kind of questions about the product, you can simply turn on our messenger and then ask the merchant. Yeah, and then they will provide the immediate answer. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see how what the convenience is now mm. with your service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it, um, mm. if it were otherwise, we would have to look for the telephone number or yeah, you know, and oh, maybe email. Know, oh. Uh, yeah, or email, and you don't even know if you get a response or whatever. Um, it does keep the merchant side busy. Uh, 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 just oh, like on oh. hold. You know, yeah. to pick up these calls. Yeah, that's why we uh, we have another feature is uh, that we allow them to reply automatically. So we allow them to set some kind of like keywords and then it's uh, usually the customers will ask for and then we provide, uh, let them to uh, set up the automatically answer for them. So it's something like the chatbot. And then you have button. these pre-set Text messages. Yes, something oh, like something it. like they uh, yeah. they they have a Q and A on their website, right? Mm. So they can use our um, features, uh, the chatbot features, to uh, put that Q and A um, to set it up the automated answer. And then once the customers they ask this kind of question, we can uh, automatically reply them. Yeah, no need to have the uh, real right, human answer. real humans yeah. answering. What did you study in college? Oh, I studied computer science. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so are you saying that you wrote up the program and coding for your business? Yeah, exactly. So ah, this product that's is, a big advantage. <laughs> yeah, and then I can because I can code. So uh, the first version of the product is uh, I, I can do everything on it, and then I can try because I I uh, when I finish I can try and I get published to the market to test it. Yeah, and then without any. Uh, uh, employee, so I can keep uh, my expense as low as possible. Oh yeah, but of course, is this your very first business? Your very first job? Uh, this is uh, my third business actually. Uh huh. Yeah, the third. But business. your first time as your own boss? Oh no, no, it's the third time. Oh, so you've? I mean, ever, after graduating from college, you've always. Like being your own boss? Oh no 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 no! I I, <laughs> I, I used to <laughs> be that. Well, yeah yeah. Uh, I after my graduate, I I worked for a company. It's a, a large public company for three um three years, and uh-huh. then yeah and then, and then I start my uh, startup career. Yeah, but uh, the first the first startup is a e-commerce platform for selling some kind of mobile case online. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, just two, one product. Yeah, in, just right? one uh, uh, a different kind of. A different type of mobile case because at that time, like uh, we have uh, iPhone, different kind of iPhone version and Android phone, and then I, uh, I, I why a website and then collect different kind of brand of case to sell it online. Oh, yeah, it's, okay. It's, it's already two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then it fails actually. <laughs> it fails because uh, yeah, many people in Hong Kong they change the phone a lot. Yes. Yeah, and then um, because they change the phone, and then uh, like if we uh, store a lot of the iPhone case here, and then because they already change it, so we, we cannot sell all the things out. Yeah, I know. So you've got this stockpile yeah, of exactly. uh, old model uh, yeah. mobile covers. Yeah. Oh, so how often do the Hong Kong people change their mobile phone? Wow. Once every year? I think once every month. You bet I was totally shocked when I heard that. Anyway, this is getting very interesting, so make sure you join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin.
Classic Shorts: Stories from Chinese History and Literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Ever wonder why people hang lanterns, set off firecrackers, and wear red during Chinese New Year? Well, it all goes back to the story of the beast called Nian. Long ago, there was a horrible beast called Nian, which also means year in Chinese. He had a huge horn, heavy green scales, and a gigantic mouth with very sharp teeth. Nian was a ferocious beast, causing havoc and destruction wherever he went. He was so dangerous that the gods locked him up in a prison in a remote mountain. But Nian was permitted to come out once a year. Nian's release was a nightmare for people of the land. Nian was very hungry, so he would run out to the villages looking for food and people to eat. The terrified villagers would flee or hide and leave out their livestock. In hopes that Nian would be satisfied with just eating the animals. But one year, something happened that changed everything. An old man happened to be visiting the village on the day when Nian was to be released. Everyone fled in a panic, leaving the old beggar in the village to be devoured by the monster. What shall I do? I'll go hide in this house. Meanwhile, Nian arrived. And went looking for food. He saw a red cloth fluttering from the front door of a house and ran towards it. Just as he charged the door, lightning struck and injured Nian. After Nian recovered, he started moving around in the village, this time more carefully, and avoiding anything with the color red. Aha! This Nian is afraid of the color red. Let me get some red cloth to protect myself. The old man bound his entire body in red cloth, and stepped out of the house, throwing the largest firecrackers he could find. The monster saw a red figure coming towards him, carrying a bright lantern and making sounds like lightning, and fled away in terror. Once the people discovered the Nian was afraid of the color red, and bright lanterns and loud noises, they knew how to protect themselves. So every year when Nian was released on Chinese New Year, people would light up their houses with lanterns, paste red paper on their doors, wear red, and set off firecrackers, and beat gongs and drums. No one could get much sleep during Chinese New Year, but the Nian never troubled them again.
classic Chinese phrases and idioms. It is already the year of the monkey on the lunar calendar, and if you have any Chinese friends, I'll teach you a couple of greetings that you can wish them this new year. You can say Happy New Year by saying Xing Nian Kuai Le, Xing Nian Kuai Le, which literally means New Year Happy. Just like most people around the world, the common wish and greeting in the Chinese community is for happiness in the new year. You can also say it more concisely with just three characters: Xing Nian Hao, which means New Year Goodness. Xing Nian Hao. It's also similar to the greeting for "How are you?" Ni Hao. So in a way, it has a double meaning: wishing people goodness in the new year and greeting them at the same time. So, if you have any friends from China, Taiwan, Vietnam, Singapore, Malaysia, or any other place with a significant Chinese population, you can wish them a happy new year by saying "Xin Nian Kuai Le." Or Xin Nian Hao, and these Happy New Year greetings go around for about two weeks, which is how long the festivities last. They begin on Chinese New Year's Eve all the way until the fifteenth day of the New Year, when the Lantern Festival is celebrated. And most people enjoy about a week's holiday during this time. So once again, a greeting for the new year: "Xinian Kuaila" or "Xinian Hao." Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. "Xinian Kuaila." Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Happy Chinese New Year! I would like to take this opportunity to wish everyone health, happiness, and prosperity in the Year of the Rat. This year's Lunar New Year began on January 25th. Before the holiday, people in Taiwan rushed to traditional markets to buy favorite holiday foods. With so many things to buy, market purveyors have some tips on how to choose the best merchandise. Pistachios, peanuts, mushrooms, mullet roe, and dried scallops are traditional items eaten over the Lunar New Year. With the holiday just around the corner, consumers are scurrying to the markets to stock up. One purveyor of such goods tells us that pistachios should have a bright green color and should be bought in shell. 
They should be easy to open, otherwise they'll be smaller and more bitter. For peanuts, on the other hand, the ones with a nice white color will have the best flavor. This purveyor tells us that consumers should buy mushrooms from Taiwan. They should be bright in color and give off a pleasant aroma. Any other mushroom is not worth buying. Mullet row is another holiday favorite. Under the sun, mullet row should give off a bright orange, semi-translucent tint. Dried scallops should not only smell good but also look and feel nice too. Follow these steps when buying holiday goods and you'll be A-OK. Besides food, Shoppers across Taiwan also stuck up on other supplies, such as flowers. Around the Lunar New Year holiday, flower sales see a big uptick. That's because certain flowers are thought to symbolize a year of luck. To deal with this big seasonal demand, Taipei's Jianguo Holiday Flower Market is staying open for 108 hours straight. From midnight on January 20th to noon on January 24th, Lunar New Year's Eve, there will be flowers around the clock. It's important to know what kind of flowers to buy, since different kinds of flowers symbolize different kinds of luck. For instance, the Zanzibar gem, known as the money tree in Chinese, represents wealth. Meanwhile, the sound of the Hokkien word for pineapple means that people associate pineapple flowers with prosperity. Bamboo might be a good choice too, as it's thought to bring luck and it stays alive year-round. One flower seller at the market also recommends butterfly orchids, which people imagine carrying luck into the home on its wing-like petals. Or he suggests a type of daisy called the fireworks daisy, thought to symbolize the start of a dazzling new year. But he says the number one seller is always going to be the lily, because its name in Chinese calls to mind a phrase meaning that all things will go your way. And what else do people usually prepare for the Lunar New Year? Believe it or not, new banknotes. Around this time every year, banks and post offices are flooded with people. That's because of the custom of giving children and employees gifts of money for the Lunar New Year holiday. It's an important point of etiquette that all of the bills are crisp and fresh, and so people want to exchange their old bills for new ones. This year, 450 banks and post offices across Taiwan are ready to provide this service during the five days leading up to the holiday. Requests to exchange 100 new Taiwan dollar bills are common because these bills are red, a lucky color. 100 NT dollars is around 3 US dollars. It's important to note that there is a limit to how many bills you can exchange. Banks are also advising against going to exchange bills during lunchtime or in the final three days before the holiday. That's because lines will be long. If you can't make it to the bank in time or you miss the deadline, don't worry though. ATMs also dispense brand new banknotes this time of year. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And what about New Year decorations? Spring couplets are a good choice. The National Museum of Prehistory has unveiled 20-meter-long spring couplets to welcoming the Lunar New Year. This festive kind of decoration is common in Taiwan, but the island has yet to see one quite this big. Why is there a man standing on a crane outside the National Museum of Prehistory's Tainan branch? It's okay, he is supposed to be there. This is master calligrapher Chen Shixian. Wielding a supersized writing brush, Chen is writing spring couplets on a massive red cloth draped outside the seven-story museum building. Spring couplets are lucky phrases written with brushing ink on red paper or cloth. They are everywhere in Taiwan this time of year, as people hand them up to celebrate the Lunar New Year. But this 20-meter-long work is Taiwan's longest. 
Chen has everything he needs, including a large bucket of black ink. But it's no easy task because it's much harder to write calligraphy while standing than while sitting. Not to mention that a cram high above the ground is not the kind of place where calligraphers usually practice their art. It took Chen 30 minutes to finish his work. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Have you ever heard about New Year's incense race? Tradition holds that good fortune awaits those who offer the year's first stick of incense at a temple. This is the reason for a special and rather dangerous New Year's custom, the annual incense dash. Despite the risks, people line up year after year to take part. This may have to do with the fact that these days, the good fortune people are competing for is indisputably real. For instance, Yunlin County's Xiluo Fuxing Temple offers a lavish prize package for the winner that includes plane tickets and a statue made of pure gold. The famous Da Jia Zhenlan Temple of Taichung, meanwhile, has a top prize of 333 U.S. dollars, with smaller prizes for second and third place winners. Zhanghua County's Nanyao Temple also offers second and third place prizes, but its top prize is a symbolic 8,888 NT dollars. That's just short of 300 U.S. dollars. Money worth racing for. John Van Trieste, RTI News. And how to keep fit in the year of the rat? We have an exercise for you. Instead of stuffing your face and lying around during the Lunar New Year holidays, try some rat calisthenics. Curl your hands to your chest and then jump like this. The holidays are so noisy. Doing this will trim your waist. Make the Chinese character for safety. This means protection. Then glide over your body from top to bottom. Be agile like a rat. This move is like a deep squat. There you have it. Calisthenics for the year of the rat. Physical therapist Jin Wen Run says he has an easy one that's great for the elderly. Pretend that you're flying. The doctor says if there's any move that feels great, then do it some more. Here's to a healthy year of the rat. And last but not least, we want to thank the military for stepping up its game during the Lunar New Year holiday. Taiwan's most elite squadron of Marines is ready for anything that could happen. As the rest of Taiwan rests. Step one: blow out the tires. Step two: set up a roadblock. Step three: surround and take down. Step four: extract all hostages. Not this time, would-be hijackers, because Taiwan's most elite military squad is on the job. This is Taiwan's Marine Corps Special Service Company. What does it take to be part of the best of the best? Chen Jianhao, a captain in this prestigious unit, tells us that applicants must be able to run three kilometers in 12 minutes while in full gear. They must also be able to swim 200 meters in full gear. He says that what would constitute a full score in any other unit is merely a benchmark in this one. This Marine company is standing guard as Taiwan takes off to celebrate Lunar New Year. Among its preparations has been a drill simulating an enemy infiltration of Taiwan's radar equipment. In a situation that dire, there's only one group of soldiers you can count on. Leslie Liao, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our show today. For any comments or suggestions, you may write to PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei, Taiwan, or you can email us at. RTI at rti.org.tw. 
Once again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. This is Paula Chow. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Reporters Without Borders World Press Freedom Index is measuring the uh, actual freedom for journalists to do independent reporting and the, the possibility for people in different countries and territories in the world to access to free information. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. According to France-based Reporters Without Borders or RSF, political interference is rare, but journalists in Taiwan suffer from media environment dominated by sensationalism and the pursuit of profit. Taiwan retained 42nd in the 2019 World Press Freedom Index, the second freest country in Asia in terms of media freedom, after South Korea, which ranked at 41st. Mr. Cedric Alviani, East Asia Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, or Reporters Song Frontier, said journalists in Taiwan can freely distribute the information, but they receive economic pressure from major groups that control the media. And to find out more, let's hear from Mr. Cedric Alviani. Mr. Cedric Alviani, looking back on the year 2019, how do you view the overall performance of the governments in the world in the area of press freedom as compared to 2018? Well, there's a clear and consistent recess in press freedom almost everywhere in the world. Uh, it's visible on the World Press Freedom Index map that is being uh, edited by Reporters Without Borders every year. Uh, nowadays, more than half of the population in the world lives in countries marked in black or red color, which indicates the countries where freedom of uh, information is uh, inexistent or extremely difficult. A lot of the countries that you mentioned are in black and in red, which means that they enjoy less freedom. But most of the countries that enjoy the highest freedom of press are in Europe and a couple of Latin American countries, such as Uruguay and Costa Rica. Why Uruguay, uh, Suriname and Costa Rica? The Reporters Without Borders World Press Freedom Index is measuring the uh, actual freedom for journalists to do independent reporting and the, the possibility for people in different countries and territories in the world to access to free information. 
also in the countries um, you just mentioned, uh, there is no major obstacle. There is sufficient plurality of the media. The media are not being uh, controlled by groups that have interests going against the citizen. And um, there is no uh, physical violence or intimidation on journalists. And interestingly, South Korea enjoys the highest level of press freedom in Asia, ranking 41st, followed by Taiwan, which ranks 42nd, and uh, Taiwan ranked 42nd as well in 2018. My question is, Japan surprisingly ranks 67, and Nepal even does better than Japan at 66. Why? Well, regarding Taiwan and uh, South Korea, the position of Taiwan has not changed. Uh, Taiwan is a free place for the media to distribute content. The problem is that, uh, in reality, journalists in Taiwan are not free from political uh, pressure within the media, and they are not free either from economical pressure from uh, major industrial groups that control these media. Uh, the situation in South Korea has improved a lot, which explains that in the past years, uh, the country gained more than 20 ranks uh, in the Reporters Without Borders World Press Freedom Index. The case of Japan is quite special. Japan is, of course, a democracy where uh, most freedoms are being guaranteed. However, in the domain of uh, freedom of the press, there are a lot of hidden obstacles uh, that prevent uh, the Japanese citizens to fully uh, exercise their um, rights to receive accurate uh, information. Uh, for example, in Japan, there is a system of press clubs that is preventing freelance journalists and foreign journalists uh, from accessing to uh, government sources. Uh, that's a surprise because to a lot of people, uh, they might think that Japan always ranks number one in terms of uh, press freedom, yeah. but that's not the case. And you mentioned earlier South Korea actually jumped uh, a few uh, knots uh, up to uh, the first, actually, in Asia. And back to Taiwan, you said that Taiwan's uh, media environment actually is very much pressured by the economic group or the political group. Uh, could you elaborate on that? Sure. Just one thing in Japan. Uh, so I mentioned the press clubs, but there are other obstacles that uh, for some of them come from the Japanese tradition. You can uh, mention one, one could mention, for example, the very difficult situation for female journalists. Uh, it's almost impossible for uh, female reporters to do their work without being the victim of consistent uh, sexual harassment. And it is extremely difficult to talk about uh, some female related topics in the Japanese media. So now talking about uh, the situation in Taiwan, yes, Taiwan is free from direct interference from the executive power. Uh, Taiwan has a free press that can freely distribute content. The problem is uh, most Taiwanese media are being controlled by major industrial groups that have major conflicts of interest and which and this situation impacts a lot on uh, these media's editorial line. The second problem in Taiwan is a global 
sensationalistic bidding in uh, most media that is uh, hindering the possibility for reporters to uh, properly verify sources. The threat um, of disinformation attacks on the Taiwanese media actually comes from the weakness of the Taiwanese media environment. You're listening to On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Mr. Cedric Alviani, East Asia Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF. Hong Kong ranks 73 now. Is it mainly because of the major attacks against the press that began in June last year? The situation in Hong Kong, um, there has been a downfall in press freedom in Hong Kong for the past two decades. In year 2002, when Reporters Without Borders uh, created the World Press Freedom Index, Hong Kong was rated 18th over 180 countries and territories evaluated for press freedom. Nowadays, Hong Kong is 73rd. Does that come only from um, the violence against the media that occurred during the past month demonstrations? I don't think so. Um, before the first dem- demonstrations, before the first anti extradition bill demonstrations last year, the Hong Kong Journalists Association already published a report that mentioned that 2018 had been one of the worst years for uh, press freedom in Hong Kong. Uh, There is a consistent policy in Hong Kong from the authorities to try and reduce transparency over public affairs. And uh, there has been a an increasing difficulty for Hong Kong journalists to uh, cover topics that uh, the Chinese authorities may not like. So the situation actually has gotten worse after Hong Kong has been handed over to the PRC in 1997? Yes, absolutely. And has the situation improved after the withdrawal of the extradition law in Hong Kong? No, it hasn't improved uh, journalists are still uh, being the victim of police violence while they cover demonstrations. Um, not only police violence, but there is also a consistent policy from the Hong Kong uh, law enforcement to try and reduce the uh, possibility of movement from reporters, to try and block them from uh, entering certain areas. And all this is, of course, uh, a problem for the rule of law, because without the presence of journalists, nobody can know citizens do not have any independent source of information, so they have to rely on the authorities' narrative. And you mentioned, uh, Cedric, that 20 years ago, Hong Kong was at number 18th, and today is at number 73rd, and actually in 2018 is at 70th. And so it seems that the situation is getting worse and worse. And do you think that Hong Kong can still reverse its situation? We hope there can be improvements in Hong Kong. There is a beacon of hope uh, thanks to the new media that have been created in the past years. There has been a trend of creating new online media that try to enforce a high level of journalistic ethics 
these media were created somehow in reaction to the increasing control uh, from the Chinese authorities over the uh, Hong Kong mainstream media. The Hong Kong mainstream media, uh, most of them live on advertising, and uh, it's very hard for them to do without Chinese firms advertising. So they are very, uh, they, they are under a big pressure, and they are prone to self-censorship. The new media that have been created in the past, there is a lot, but I will just mention two, which are Hong Kong Free Press in English language and Citizen News uh, in Chinese, uh, are media that try to uh, use different economic models. Uh, they are usually uh, crowdfunded uh, or they... Um, uh, they get their fundings through uh, donations from their audiences, and they also uh, make efforts to be accountable to their readers, including their uh, financial results. Uh, this is a beacon of hope for uh, the Hong Kong residents, because there are at least media making efforts to uh, provide independent news. Um, but of course, um, there needs to be a political will from the Hong Kong authorities, which so far we do not feel. Um, without a clear change in the uh, Hong Kong authorities' policies, it's hard to expect long-term improvement in the freedom of press in Hong Kong. I think it would be very hard because Hong Kong chief executive Carrie Lam actually uh, even uh, when asked questions by your organization, Reporters Without Borders, they all gave the can't response. Absolutely. That's a problem that most Hong Kong journalists face when they attend um, government press conferences. And do you think that there will be more and more online media or new media institutions such as Hong Kong Free Press in the future? There seems to be a new model for the media, but of course these are small media that are fragile and that need the support from their readers. Um, the, question, the question is not really the number of media, but rather the quality of what they do. And uh, we couldn't wish for the creation of a huge number of media that uh, would not carry a minimum quality. So it's important that the new media would, uh, in the practical, uh, enforce high standards of journalism. The extradition law in Hong Kong has been withdrawn, but there are still demonstrations going on in Hong Kong today. And do you think that there will be an end to the demonstrations in the future? I can't really comment on that because this goes way beyond the Reporters Without Borders mandate. So I can't really uh, make a perspective uh, on uh, how things would uh, happen in Hong Kong. Maybe what I can say is that we wish, of course, that the Hong Kong authorities realize that a free press is capital for the stability of Hong Kong and its capital for uh, enforcement of the basic law. The basic law is stating that uh, there is a free press in Hong Kong and it is the duty of the Hong Kong authorities to enforce it. So uh, it is very important that they would do their best efforts and so far there is still a lot of things to do. Yes, and that was the first part of our interview with Mr. Cedric Alviani, East Asia Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF in French. 
Do join us again next week as Mr. Cedric Alviani will tell us more about the press freedom issue in the world. And that's it for this week's Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.